Welcome to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. We hope you enjoy the upcoming podcast and hope this time is empowering, inspiring, and helpful as you pursue the dream God has put in your heart. The participants of this podcast are not attorneys, and this recording is not to be considered legal advice. Please contact your local attorney's office where needed. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Call, the podcast in which we talk about topics that help churches and ministries protect what God has called them to lead. In today's episode, we'll be discussing why it's important for any church to have a board of directors. Joining us today is Stephon German, the Director of Operations here at Start Church. We had a good time talking right there before Christmas, and it's really fun to have you back again talking about the board. Thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. So help us understand, you know, what is the board of directors? Just give us a kind of an overview. Mm -hmm. So the board of directors is essentially a group of individuals that help the pastor to make governing decisions for the church. Um, Unlike most for-profit organizations, all nonprofit organizations must have a board of directors to govern them. Um, It's beneficial and necessary to ensure that the church remains as a benefit to the public rather than becoming a benefit to just any one person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And while you pick your board of directors, the board still must meet like certain criteria and conditions. Uh, Typically for a nonprofit, it's going to be a minimum of three people. Okay. Uh, the majority of them also have to be uncompensated and also unrelated. And that's kind of difficult for some people to understand, but yeah. we'll kind of get into that a little bit more in the conversation. Um, and then, of course, finding people to serve on the board of directors uh, may seem challenging at times, especially when you're just starting out with a nonprofit. Yeah. It's usually just a husband and a wife yeah. or maybe just two friends, you know, trying to trying to work together. Um, but if you know that God is calling you to the pastoral position for the church, you can trust that he'll bring the right people along um, that will join you you, you know, as you're leading your church. Let's talk a little more about something you mentioned, the necessity of putting together the board. Some people, Mm -hmm. when I'm on the phone with a new pastor, they'll say, why do we have to have a board? (laughs) That is always a great question. I think we actually get that here a lot at Start Church, too. The clients are calling in, they're brand new, and they're like, I don't understand why we have to do that. Why can mm-hmm. I just lead this thing on my own? And that's not biblical, but <laughs> also yeah, <good> point. <laughs> because the IRS, you know, has stipulations, mm-hmm. you know, to meet being a nonprofit and being in compliance, you know, so there's always definitely going to be board member roles that need to be filled. Um, you can't overlook three of them. They're the most important and they're the required positions. Mm-hmm. The first one is going to be the president. So in most cases, it's going to be that pastor mm-hmm. or whoever they know is going to lead this organization. Um, the second is the treasurer. Uh, that individual is typically going to be helping out with the finances, just kind of making sure, again, everything is in compliance, Mm -hmm. good bookkeeping, essentially. Um, And then the secretary. Uh, This person is usually the one taking notes. Um, They're going to compile the board meeting minutes, which we'll get a chance to talk about that a little later as well. Uh, But those three roles essentially are the most important aspect within a board because now you have a good balance and everything that's important is taken care of. You mentioned a couple of things uh, that I'll sometimes get in a conversation with someone on mm-hmm. the line. Most of the people that call in to start church are, for all intents and purposes, the founder. Mm-hmm. And it's also a kind of a dual role as the head pastor. Mm-hmm. So that usually fits for them to be the president. But occasionally we'll have someone that says, hey, I know I'm called to start this, but I'm not really going to be in that role. Mm-hmm. And they can still be a founder, but yep. don't have to even be on their own board. They yep. can start things and find other board members. Yep, that's absolutely correct. And we do have something here when you go through the Start Right program. Well, we will ask you in your interview, you know, is it going, are you going to be the president and the pastor? Or are you going to be the pastor mm-hmm. and someone else is going to be, you know, the president? So 
some people, that's how they, they're like, I am the spiritual leader and that is my gifting. <laughs> God has called someone else to be the president because maybe they have the business savvy yeah. or whatever, you know, their stipulations are. Well, you mentioned something else that comes up a lot, family mm-hmm. on the yes. board. So, you yes. know, a lot of times a pastor may want to have a family member. Maybe their brother is really good at business. They mm-hmm. want him on the board or, of course, husband and wife team, which we encourage. That's mm-hmm. great to have. Uh, you know, that connection. But tell us about the stipulations regarding family. Yes. So as you said, Bruce, there are a lot of people who want to have their aunt and their uncle and their cousin, because those are typically the individuals that are going to be the most, you know, encouraging while you're starting this organization. Uh, But one thing is to always keep in mind is compliance with the law. Mm -hmm. Um, When you have board members, you want to make sure you have individuals that have the best organizational interests of the church. So they may have the best interest, but legally for the compliance part of it, they have to be unrelated. Now, there's a few different scenarios that you can run into. So you may have a husband and a wife, that's fine. They can be president and secretary, but you need to have at least three additional people One, so your board is balanced. Mm -hmm. Two, so that you have three unrelated individuals. So the husband and wife are related. Now you have to have three people that are unrelated. Okay. Unrelated is not just husband, wife, cousin, brother, sister. It's also business partners. So if you both own 35% or more interest in a particular business, that person now also falls into the category of being related. That's really good to remember. Yeah. (laughs) A rule of the good rule of thumb. If you're in business... You know, they're related. That's just the easiest way to to remember. So tell us about what somebody should be looking for with a board member, you know, delegating proper responsibilities. Mm -hmm. You know, tell us a little more about that. What do the roles actually entail? Mm -hmm. Well, I kind of mentioned it a little earlier where the treasurer, you may have somebody who is an accountant or somebody that's really good with numbers. Um, You want to make sure your books are good. Mm -hmm. You don't want to ever be audited. And the IRS comes and says, well, what exactly have you been doing with your money? And I get a question a lot. What's the difference between a for-profit arm and a nonprofit? Mm -hmm. And the biggest difference is, in most cases, a for-profit is paying taxes and they have these stipulations. But nonprofits, especially churches, they don't have to submit a 990. Uh So you can have churches that make millions of dollars and nobody is really ever coming back to double check unless somebody anonymously, you know, puts in a request for an audit. Now, when they come to do the audit, the last thing you want is for your books not to be correct because then you open up a can of worms. It really is. You know, so the bookkeeping is going to be important. So that's why uh, looking for someone with financial background, financial expertise is going to be good for the treasurer. Um, Now, the secretary, I mentioned it earlier, a wife of a pastor typically may have some good administrative skills, you know, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But that individual has to be kind of meticulous, able to multitask um, and really keeping up with all of the documents. Because honestly, you can have someone as a secretary, but if they're not keeping the notes at the board meeting, then it's kind of just a fellowship. Mm -hmm. And those are some of the most important documents that you actually can have, you know, or need to have within the board. Board meeting minutes, crucial. (laughs) So, you know, tell us about, um, is it possible, for example, we at Start Church offer a bookkeeping service, but it sounds like you're saying, well, that's the realm of the treasurer, but how would that How would that work? Can a treasurer be in the official position, have the title, but then utilize a professional to help actually handle those things? Yes. So the churches can always go third party. As long as that third party is not 
causing a conflict of interest. Uh-huh. So let's just say that same bookkeeper, yeah, right? And we actually were going to go into this anyway. When we talk about unrelated or business individuals, this is one of those areas. Okay. So if I work for my church and I have a bookkeeping business and I'm on the board, it now becomes a conflict of interest yeah. because I can sway the board uh-huh. to use my company and I make money while I'm benefiting the church. Uh-huh. So, you know, being uncompensated is also yeah. another key factor with your board members because if I'm paid by the church or benefiting from the church in any form, I'm considered compensated. So now I've just been um, ruled out as a, a person that can be on the board. Excellent. So just to reiterate, um, a related person is you know, a family or someone with whom you're in business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And tell us, is there any kind of precedent for that or why, why is that in the legal code? Honestly, with if you look at the Treasury Regulation 53.4958-3, it's a mouthful, I know. <laughs> but it talks about the definition of being related. And it says those who are in business together, um, essentially those that are you know married, mm-hmm. cousin, brother, those are going to be related individuals. But it's also um, people that are compensated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if the pastor is... Uh, receiving salary, and then there's a secretary who's also receiving salary from the yeah. church. You now have an unbalanced board, even though they're not married or related to each other. Mm-hmm. So there's a few factors. So one, blood relation, marriage. The second, if they're compensated by the church in any form, and then the third is going to be if you're in business, you know, together. Mm-hmm. Well, I get a call oftentimes where someone says. I'm called to start, we've got a vision, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the board and they say, well, I just don't know who to pick. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't even know where to start. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh my goodness. This is so, this is probably the biggest question I think we get, to be honest. Um, I'm in Texas, but I have people that support me, but they're in California or Michigan or Florida. And it's totally fine. As long as they can provide a physical address, mm-hmm. you can use them. And I'll go a step further than that, which most people don't know this. You can have somebody that's international, Mm -hmm. and it's totally fine. They just have to be able to provide a physical address, not a P.O. box, you know, not a random address. It just has to be a physical address where if a document needed to be sent out, they could receive it. Okay. That sounds actually pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) A relief to a lot of pastors. Yes. Honestly, yeah. You Having people that don't live in your state, I think, allows a lot of the pastors to really pursue the vision that God has called them to do, Mm -hmm. and it is one big aspect as to why some don't move forward because they don't know that. So One thing that I'll kind of alleviate some fear with a pastor is to tell them, you know, this is not necessarily a lifetime appointment mm-hmm. and the most epic life that or death decision. Yes. So don't just kill yourself trying to think who's going to be the permanent mm-hmm. treasurer forever mm-hmm. and ever. Yep. You know, you might choose somebody and they serve for a time and yep. then they swap out for someone else. Yep. You know, my pastor gave a great example a couple of years ago, and he was trying to explain to the church that... When he started the church in 2011, that God had told him, there are some people that are going to be with you in the very beginning to get launched, and they're going to, you know, move on. And there are some people who are going to start with you kind of in the middle, and then they're going to move on. And then there's some people that are going to stay, start in the middle, and they're going to be with you forever or be at the, come in towards the end, and then they'll be with you forever. But the point is, everybody has a seat on the bus for different seasons for the church. So who may start with you on your board? They may be there for a year or two years, and then their season may be up, but then somebody else will come in, and they'll take the necessary seat for that season. So, 
Well, let's try to alleviate somebody who's listening right now and they start to worry because they say, oh my goodness, my board is not balanced. I'm hearing what Stevan said and <laughs> we've got, it's all family and we're all in business together and we're all related. <laughs> what is somebody It's doing? okay. It's okay, Pastor. If you're listening, it's okay. <laughs> Nod your head. Tell yourself it's okay. Take a deep breath. So if you are not balanced, um, one big aspect right now, if you're, let's just say, we'll use an example, husband and a wife, mm-hmm. maybe they have a cousin. So all three people are related. Yeah. Totally fine. Easy solution is get six other individuals, right? It sounds crazy, but six people that are not related to you, you're not in business with, mm-hmm. and they're not being compensated. Now you're back balanced, right? So only one third of your board is related. Everybody can stay. The other option, uh, same situation, you have a husband, a wife, and a cousin. The wife and cousin can step down Mm -hmm. as actual board members and maybe become committee members. Okay. And then you get two additional individuals that aren't related, aren't compensated, um, and then they can just join the board. So now you have the pastor, two unrelated individuals, and then two individuals that fully support the church, but they're on a committee versus being on the official board. That's great. And and they can still have a role. Yep. They can still have a voice yep. and leadership. Yep. Um, sometimes it's even better for someone to not have to feel the pressure to be mm-hmm. a voting board mm-hmm. member, and they actually can just devote themselves to a regular position in-house as an administrator yep. or something else. Yep, exactly. In the bylaws, if you're going through the Start Right program, that's actually in the bylaws, and it discusses how the board will vote when you want to have invitees come into the meeting that won't be voting, but they're there to maybe give their perspective or give their opinion on something. So their their information is still there, but they're not voting members. And the board can vote. Yes, we want these additional individuals to be in the meeting. It's a great reminder that bylaws seem really boring and unimportant until you need them. Exactly. And then when it's like, <laughs> well, wait a minute, how do we replace a board member? How, how do we vote? Then it becomes paramount. Yep, yep. And the bylaws are going to be important because they do outline exactly what those steps are. Uh, one big thing about the actual board members too is to keep in mind if you're in the state of new york they do require increments of three Mm -hmm. so if you have a board you're either going to have three six or nine if you're in maryland they require a minimum of four so if you're in either of those states just keep those things in mind because when you're starting you know you're wondering oh well they said three if you're in those states (laughs) increments of three in new york for, you know, in Maryland. Um, but the bylaws are going to really outline exactly their terms, mm-hmm. how long they're serving, you know, what those uh, des- job descriptions are, so to speak, you know, for each each title. So when you're looking at it, it'll explain how to remove board members, how to add board members. And if you haven't, or maybe you've, you've set up your own, and you're listening to the podcast, and you're like, oh my goodness, our bylaws don't say anything about that. It's okay. Give us a call. Yeah. Talk to us about our Start Right service because that is an intricate part of the documents you know, that we help you create. Yeah, we help to actually define what do you want your board to look like. Exactly. Do you want a board member to last for a year or three mm-hmm. years? Or mm-hmm. you know, what do their term look like? Mm-hmm. So there's yep. a lot of variety there, and we love to help walk through and navigate some of the questions you might not have even considered. So give us a call. and. Uh, Stevie, let's move over to board meetings. You mm-hmm. know, what does an actual board meeting look like? What do the board members do? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the laws in all 50 states clearly require that you have at least, at least one board meeting take place every single year. Um, and that board meeting must also have the minutes to be documented on mm-hmm. all the decisions that are made. Yeah. Now, honestly, Bruce, there's a lot of churches. They have the board meetings, but they forget the minutes. Uh-huh. And I said it earlier, you know, jokingly, but it's true. If you have a board meeting and you don't have minutes, like your secretary didn't take notes, you guys didn't vote on those minutes in the next meeting, 
it's just a fellowship. Yeah. So you could have made all these decisions. A boring fellowship sometimes. <laughs> it's just a fellowship, <laughs> you know. So it's crucial, you know, that you do properly um, operate, especially for a church and a ministry, because those are the things that the IRS is looking for. We talked mm-hmm. about bookkeeping for the numbers and finances side of it. Yeah. But the other part in that audit is they're going to look for the board meeting minutes. It's essentially the document that's going to keep track of what was discussed. Um, it's keeping track of what important decisions were made. Uh, it's going to also be keeping track of when you added the board members, mm-hmm. when you remove board members. When you're having the board meetings, the minutes are arguably the most important document that your church and ministry must maintain. I can't really force it enough. I can't say it enough. You have to have the board meeting minutes. And if you have time and they have maybe a printer available, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that we do at our church because we don't know when the next meeting is really going to be. Yeah. I'll try to like type it up really quick and print it off. And then we vote on the board meeting minutes uh-huh. at that moment. You know, you have until the next meeting to go ahead and vote those in so everybody can have a chance to look at it, make edits. But it's important. You know, it's one of the most important documents besides your bylaws <laughs> that a church can have. Well, so a board meeting minute. Mm-hmm. It indicates that this was an official decision yes. of this entity. Yep. So yeah, it makes sense that you'd want to keep track of that. And mm-hmm. and uh, we always advise people, you know, keep an electronic copy, mm-hmm. keep a hard copy too. If mm-hmm. you have that manila folder in the file mm-hmm. cabinet, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's always a good and idea. And it's happened. It's happened where I know pastors personally, the church flooded or caught fire and mm-hmm. they're like, oh my goodness, we don't have any of the documents. So electronic version, thank the Lord for technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it is a saving grace. But yes, um, your organization cannot substantiate that your organization properly approved Things such as board members, a constitution and bylaws, uh, policies, salaries, like compensation is mm-hmm. huge. And because it has to be reviewed every year, you may have very well had this board meeting. But if you don't have the board meeting minutes to prove, yes, we approve the pastor's salary of 90000 or whatever mm-hmm. the amount is, it could cause some issues later on because there's yeah. no documentation stating the board approved this salary. I spoke to a church recently that had that very same problem, and it happens more often than you think. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a board meeting is not just, hey, what's our theme for preaching? Next exactly. Month. Sometimes it deals with salaries yeah. or property, you know, mm-hmm. purchases, big mm-hmm. decisions. And if there's no board meeting minutes to identify this was an official decision, that decision can be called into question by exactly. somebody who wants to dispute exactly. that decision. And there's no legal value without the minutes. And again, it's just a fellowship, Pastor, (laughs) if you don't have the minutes. Well, let's get into the nitty-gritty of board meetings. Let's talk about the most important things that can be discussed during those meetings by Mm -hmm. the board of directors, starting with the initial meeting, if you're just starting. Yes. So if you're just starting, uh, you hopefully have gone through the Start Right program. You should have a copy of those, you know, board meeting minutes. Um, It's called the Organizational Board Meeting, and it's titled that on purpose (laughs) because you're literally officially organizing Mm -hmm. the structure. Okay. Um, It's your board's initial meeting. Uh, In general, it should be treated with the utmost importance, uh, but having a productive initial meeting is a great opportunity to start your church off the right way. Um, In many cases, uh, the essential things that you're going to discuss at this board meeting will include uh, appointing your official board of directors, uh, creating a resolution to open a bank account, approval of all your corporate documents, which again, if you're going through the program, everything is outlined for you. Just click the link, open up your package, and you guys are gonna approve all of those documents, your articles of incorporation, your bylaws, your policies, 
everything. <laughs> it's just all right there for you. Um, and then, of course, ordination. Now, this is a huge one for pastors. Um, most pastors don't know that in order to officially be legally ordained, mm -hmm. the board still has to approve it. So it one has to be in your articles of incorporation. That's what makes it legal. The state approves it. Now you're officially able to license and ordain. That's in your purpose statement. But then the second part is this organizational board meeting. The board has to approve that actual ordination and approve those articles. So you see how they kind of work together. Definitely, yeah. You know, speaking of ordination, it's a great time to remind people we actually have a whole video series on ordaining. It's called Equipped to Ordain. It outlines both of those components you mm -hmm. talked about, having the language in the articles and also the internal process of yep. ordaining. A lot of people um, don't realize that their ordination is invalid. The organization that ordained them no longer exists or uh, you know, they've gone under or something like that. We want to make sure that anybody who's trying to navigate that has the information behind mm -hmm. it because it's a, kind of a dual thing. Mm -hmm. It's a spiritual matter, and that's something that, you know, that's between you and the Lord. Right. Who you, whom you ordain and how that plays out with the ceremony or laying on of hands or whatever. But then also there's got to be a, a legal component. Yeah. And in order for those ordination certificates to be used for you know, signing a marriage certificate, for example. Mm -hmm. There's got to be some components in place. So we'd love for you to find out more. So go to www.startchurch.com slash equipped to ordain, and you'll find out all the information you need right there. That is awesome. If you haven't heard it, please make sure you go visit the website because that is an amazing resource for a lot of our pastors now that are really just, they have a lot of questions about ordination. And so if you're listening, I would strongly encourage you to go and listen to that as well. And I know we were talking about, you know, the organizational board meeting, and it can really seem overwhelming, you know, at first, but given their importance, you know, in the pursuit of ongoing legal compliance, there is a learning curve and it's okay. We say that here, you know, we're going to work through it, you know, we're going to work together. Mm -hmm. yeah. So give us a call if you have questions, uh, but there's definitely uh, utilizing our suite. It's called the Minute Suite. If you go online to our website, www.startchurch.com slash products, uh, look for the Minute Suite. It has a little video there to kind of explain, you know, what it's about, what's included. And it's going to really talk a lot about how to actually properly conduct a board meeting. It's going to have a lot of samples from the signature pages for attendance to meeting notes and actual templates for different types of board meetings. So maybe it's just a board meeting to add and remove a board director. There's a template in there for you. Maybe it is your organizational board meeting and you haven't gone through the Start Right program. There's a template there for you. Mm -hmm. If it's creating a resolution for a bank account because believe it or not it is a legal you know thing that you have yeah. to have this board meeting to approve opening a bank account for the church there's a template in there for you so it's very resourceful so i strongly encourage you check it out and if you have questions just give us a call thanks so much for helping you've given some really valuable information for our pastors and i've actually learned a few things here and uh I just want to thank Stevan for coming again. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please let us know. We'd love to hear feedback. You can email us at podcast at startchurch.com. You can also send us some questions. And until next week, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.